0: From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Well, it was a wonderful night in Wisconsin Dells last night, catching up with folks from across the state. The awards banquet at the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention. And a young woman from Washburn County has been selected as our 2022 fairest of the fairs. That's where we begin on a Thursday morning. Good morning, everyone. Farm Director Pam Yankee. glad you're along with us. You know what else I'm glad about? Mild temperatures still exist out there this morning. Few more clouds than yesterday, but we're still going to see a high of around 33 degrees today. Overnight lows tonight down to 17. A little cooler tomorrow with cloudy skies. Friday's highs right around 22. Saturday, partly cloudy, 20 degrees. Sunday, Some sunshine and 24. Of course, Stumach's got our ag weather coming your way. And a new voice joining us this morning with Ever Ag Trading Firm out of Chicago. Katie Burgess is going to give us an update on what has been motivating dairy traders. We know that butter price is exceptionally high, but fluid milk contracts have been keeping up with the pace as well. Katie Burgess, just one of the voices you're going to hear on a Thursday morning.
2: I'm Dr. Jasmine Zapata, Chief Medical Officer for Community Health at the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. Join me in saving lives. Every year, about 21,000 lung cancer deaths are caused by radon in the U.S. What is radon? It's an odorless, tasteless, and colorless gas that can cause lung cancer. Radon comes from the natural breakdown of uranium in the soil, enters homes through small cracks and openings, and builds up inside. Any home can have radon. New homes, old homes, apartments, drafty homes, well-sealed homes, homes with and without basements. About 1 in 10 Wisconsin homes has high levels of radon. Does yours? Testing is the only way to know. Testing for radon is an easy and low-cost way to save a life. Many lives. For more information, call 1-888-LOW-RADON or visit lowradon.org. Test, fix, save a life. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Department of Health Services.
1: Boy, the headlines are back uh, surfacing. Meat supply shortages could be on the horizon. Omicron still causing production agriculture some problems. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, uh, this is something that Wisconsin has been on top of since the pandemic unfolded. Unfortunately, the nightmare is not going away, is it?
3: No, definitely not. We continue to see that. Uh, Meat processing is a huge topic here in Wisconsin and across the nation. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison and Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade and Consumer Protection is offering meat processor grants to kind of help these processors, these small and medium processors are on the state out. But the question is, is it really enough for them? To find out, I had to talk to someone who actually has some experience in renovating a meat lab recently. That's Jeff Sindelar. He's a UW Extension meat specialist. And we talked a little bit about what it really costs to do an expansion, to do improvements on a meat processing plant. Now that university plant is maybe a little bit skewed from a real world plant, as he says, but we talk a little bit about what it is in reality for those meat processors.
4: Yes, in fact, I do. However, the scale is a little bit different and the scope and uh, use of the of the facilities is a little bit different, so the um, numbers uh, the costs for new construction of our meat science and animal biological discovery building are a little bit skewed compared to what as I you know call quote unquote the real world would experience but definitely I, we've gained lots of experiences about construction costs and how to juggle adding value based on uh, extra cost of construction versus what may or may not be necessary.
3: Now, you know, when we talk about, I guess the goals of these meat processor grants are to hopefully to add some more technology, add, uh, I guess, improve the facility, is that kind of thing. What kind of costs are associated with the equipment needed or the upgrades needed in a meat processing facility, you know, on on a small to medium-sized processor scale?
4: Yeah, great question. So the truce vein of these processor grants is to respond to the volume need or the lack of capacity in the state of Wisconsin in uh, small and very small meat processing plants, right, that the pandemic made everyone realize. So these grants will start to respond to that and they will go a little ways for some processors or some some processing facilities but definitely there isn't enough of them there's not enough money to make a huge impact but they certainly are certainly are starting the process the grants and the grant dollars need to be carefully used for determining how in the facilities that are successful in receiving grants they can best implement Changes in technology or changes in adding facility capacity that they can actually. Realize adding overall capacity or production capacity.
3: You know, and we talk about, I guess, expanding, improving technology, you know, upgrading things, but other than that, you know, what are some other, you know, you mentioned how these grants will be used, but what are some other costs that these meat processors deal with as well?
4: Yeah, so definitely the structure of a facility is an extremely expensive component of these businesses. Our facility here at the University of Wisconsin Madison, the MSABD building, the Me Science and Animal Biologics Discovery Building, you know, it averages around 700 to 750 dollars per square foot for construction. And there are some areas, some technical areas, that are well over a thousand dollars per square foot to build. In the real world, right, as I referred to before, a lot of these small processing facilities they can easily get into the 300 to four hundred dollars per square foot, which doesn't sound like very much, but when you start start doing some some numbers, right? A thousand square foot addition, you know, that's three to four hundred thousand dollars. And then equipment in the meat processing industry is generally expensive. It's similar to the medical industry, but not quite that expensive. Equipment that's used for meat processing is generally made of cost materials, lots of stainless steel, and lots of the equipment is very specialized, right? So a lot of it comes from outside the US, and just because of the relatively lower numbers of meat processing facilities versus versus other industries, there's not you know a, a large volume discounts or large volume production processes uh, to manufacture this equipment so a lot of equipment can be very expensive and, and just you know as, as a quick example of a, a very simple meat grinder right that you might find a small scale of that, you know, you might use for some venison processing or doing something at home. A very small, small commercial meat grinder that a small meat processor use would probably be starting around five to seven thousand dollars and then can go up to tens of thousand dollars very, very, very quickly. And that one piece of equipment is only one part of the production process, so it's not uncommon for small and very small meat processing plants to spend, you know, between three and seven hundred thousand dollars on equipment when they're building a facility. It's not uncommon for meat processors today to spend, you know, one point five to three or four or even five million dollars on the facility. So, adding some capacity either through you know renovating a space, adding an extra cooler or buying ne- buying another piece of equipment or two can very very quickly you know add up to tens of thousands of dollars and in some cases even hundreds of thousands of dollars
3: and I think another hot topic that whether we're in agriculture in the meat processing industry anywhere has been labor and not only you know not only just the quantity of labor in the meat processing industry but obviously we need to have qualified individuals to be able to process all this meat let's talk about the cost of that you know. Maybe if there's assistance for people to get trained or if there's going – if there needs to be assistance for people to hire these qualified individuals?
4: Yeah, that's a great topic. So there's always been a need for labor, right? There's always been a labor shortage in the meat and poultry industry. Historically, that labor shortage has kind of been realized or addressed by waves of immigration, Right, and I'm speaking really, really about the meat industry at large. Right, small, medium, large operations, with you know lots of things that have changed through various immigration laws, or change in workforce interests. Right, different jobs or different work interests for individuals. There's been a, a lot of changes that have resulted in overall. Shortage And growing shortage of qualified and skilled laborers. So the meat industry is in a very unique situation right now where there are probably very few meat plants, small, medium and large, that actually are meeting their capacity simply because they don't have enough people to do the work which means that there is business and opportunities left on the table for most, if not all, of the meat establishments in the state of Wisconsin, because we simply don't have enough people to do those tasks. So education and training is a um, natural and important response to helping support and really build up that workforce infrastructure and there's a number of efforts that are starting to develop, which is a you know slow process, but really develops so that some of this can be responded to. To help these businesses be prosperous and grow.
3: Now, the other thing I guess we've heard from our state level that we're getting some meat processor grants and, and hopefully it continues to grow and hopefully we continue to get more. But now there's been some rumblings on the federal level of some meat processor assistance as well. Give us some perspective on that and how that might affect things as well.
4: Yeah, that g- great, great question. So so there has been some support or quite a bit of support for the meat processors since COVID really started Making realize the the pressures and strains that the meat industry was under, uh, a lot of those monies came with specific requirements and they were state specific in the last six eight months there's been a couple very large initiatives, large investments from the federal government to support the meat industry uh, specifically small and very small establishments across the country and today there's about one point five billion dollars in monies that are committed to be utilized to strengthen and support not only the meat processing part of the industry, but also the producers that are raising those animals and some other other sectors as well. That sounds like a lot of money, and it certainly is. But that will be delved out to, you know, 50 states and all the meat industry in those 50 states. And none of that $1.5 billion is available as of now. It's planned to be, you know, a portion of is planned to be available or expect to be available this spring. And it's not exactly clear what those monies will all be used for, but definitely to, you know, grants to support growth of uh, the small plants, small, very small plants, some training for helping workforce, and probably some some support for producers to help figure out what to do with their animals and how to maximize their returns from the uh, production of those animals.
3: Well, anything else you'd like to add about, you know, the processor grants or any challenges in the meat industry right
5: now?
4: I, I think the, my, my, my only comment would be, you know, the meat industry has been around for a long, long time, right? One of one of the first industries in the state of Wisconsin, right? When Wisconsin became a, became a state, it's so so very vital to the fabric of the state of Wisconsin. It's a you know core agricultural industry. It has definitely been stressed these last couple of years, but you know it's it's really been been under a little bit of stress for quite some time as you know, consumers have have kind of changed direction and, and have looked at other opportunities to find their foods. I have learned many years ago that small meat processors, small and very small meat processors in the state of Wisconsin, you know, they are the epitome of local, right? So they're a great place to purchase products, a great place to learn about products, such a great resource for citizens in the state of Wisconsin that it's great to see Some of these efforts that are starting to come together to support the industry, because without, you know, support from the government, from the university, from consumers in the state of Wisconsin, you know, small meat processing industry, it will slowly fade away and Someday, maybe even vanish if all that doesn't exist.
3: For sure. That's Jeff Sindelar. He's the UW Extension meat specialist, We're talking a little bit about grants here in the state of Wisconsin for meat processors, what effect they might have, and some challenges that the meat industry is facing. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison,
0: I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban
6: truck. Thanks to Our Equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile
7: tractor line at Our Equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chunk Gill. And from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their Proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook, and Twitter.
5: What to do with three days off each week? A quick trip up north? Hit the bike trails around the Driftless? Or just lounge around binge-watching your favorite movies? When you work at Cardinal Glass in Mazamani, your career is world-class, so you can live first-class. You work four days a week with three days off. Cardinal Glass in Mazamani is now hiring production associates and maintenance, competitive pay, advancement opportunities, medical, dental, vision, profit-sharing, and more. Apply today at CardinalGlassMAZO.com.
2: As we move into the cold winter months, you may notice drafts around your windows and doors. Now is the time to let Prairie Exteriors give you a full, free inspection and show you what new windows and doors can do for the health of your family and your home.
8: Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors.
2: Prairie Exteriors, now
0: that's impressive.
8: PrairieExteriors.com
0: Keeping Wisconsin strong
9: Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual
0: Insurance Keeping Wisconsin strong Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Well, we had a nice break from our traditional January weather yesterday. The big question is, will it continue? Time to talk weather. Stumack meteorologist, joining us live this morning. Yeah, I had to head up to Wisconsin Dells last night for the fairest of the fair announcement and the final wrap-up of the Wisconsin Fair Convention. And it was nice to be kind of reassured by fairly clear roadways. You know what I mean?
8: Oh, yeah, the roads are pretty dry, except where there was snow melting. I did a little work in the yard yesterday to try and, you know, work on where the snow had been plowed and where it blew earlier in the week because the nice weather just made it a bit easier. Well, there is a bit of a clipper system dropping in out of the northwest, a a warm front circling on into Wisconsin from the west. That's resulting in some flurries, a few scattered snow showers, even a little patchy fog here and there this morning. That's the worst it'll be, and temperatures still sound mild, not as spectacular as yesterday, but still above normal. In fact, still above freezing, not a bad situation at all. But we know a stronger storm's going to move in. That one, I expect, drops through the Dakotas toward western Iowa, northwestern Missouri, through tomorrow and into the weekend. We may see spots. there or maybe a little light snow at La Crosse. I'll let the details right after this.
9: Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun.
10: Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy.
9: This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill.
2: Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy.
1: All righty, Stu, let's have that forecast. Oh, a little different today
8: with some cloudy skies compared to yesterday with that sun. A few flurries, maybe a little patchy fog here and there. Not going to amount to much. Now we're going to be looking for a high of four and the winds will become northwest about five to ten. Overnight, well, cloudy skies, we drop down to about 14, northwest winds at 5 to 10, cloudy tomorrow, some snow developing, a little dusting of accumulation in the west, pretty light otherwise, low 20s, northeast winds at 5 to 15, partly sunny Saturday, a little cooler, 19, maybe a 20, the northeast wind at 5 to 15, next week, Pam, we start pushing back up into the upper 20s, maybe a 30, so... Just a little cooler here for Friday and starting the weekend and then some warmth again.
1: Not much in the way of snowfall anywhere, though, huh?
8: No, not going to amount to much of anything. Lacrosse, probably in the space where they may get an inch or so through into Saturday, but everybody else really light.
1: All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Stu. Thank you. Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist with weather details for you this morning. Uh, Around the state this morning, everybody kind of hovering in the upper 20s, low 30s. You might want to be careful out there. Like Stu said, a lot of that snow melt might have glazed over overnight because of the uh, situation with our temperatures. We've got results from the Wisconsin Fair Association coming up.
0: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
2: attorney john Rihala with clifford and Rihala.
0: at clifford and Rihala, we have the experience you need to help you after any kind of collision we help people who have been seriously injured ranging from pedestrians hit crossing the street people rear-ended by semi-trucks to victims of drunk driver crashes no matter how you've been injured our experienced and skilled attorneys will help you get your maximum recovery and very importantly we also know how to protect that recovery. At Clifford & Rihala, we understand that many issues can come up after a settlement is reached. If those issues aren't handled carefully, an injury victim can lose money. Don't let that happen to you. Call Clifford & Rihala.
2: For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford & Rihala, Hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com
10: you've collected a lifetime of jewelry some of it you'll never give up others well it can continue to be hidden away or you can repurpose it and bring it back to life with the help of william thomas custom jewelry the master designers at william thomas custom jewelry will help you create that one-of-a-kind piece that's redesigned updated and uniquely you something you'll definitely want to show off the minute you put it on
8: william
6: thomas custom jewelry your inspiration your custom jeweler As a contractor, time is money. At Advanced Concrete, we pride ourselves
7: on excellent service, like being on time with your delivery, having prompt and experienced drivers. We think you'll agree, Advanced Concrete outperforms
8: the other guys.
9: The concrete producing company
0: The contractors rely on Advanced Concrete
8: Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships.
6: This looks like a car. It has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need.
4: i Spitz. And David Fink of Settlers Bank, where we know that managing your business is complicated. Our treasury management team offers high-tech solutions that simplify. Maximizing efficiency, optimizing cash flow, and reducing risk. Together, we'll achieve results that transform your business. To learn more,
9: stop by or visit SettlersWI.com.
1: Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know.
4: Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender
6: mortgage way home Call Dan, the mortgage
7: man as you know the housing market is super hot right now and it's more important than ever to get pre-approved before you go out to look you can rely on educated mortgage to give you the strongest pre-approval with the lowest rate and closing cost possible to make that home a reality educated
6: mortgage way
7: home Call Dan, the mortgage man and MLS number 2-652.
2: WiseWay Flooring's budget-friendly pricing beats the big box store every day. WiseWay stocks flooring by the pallet and the roll to get you better pricing. Our cash and carry discount saves you even more for a beautiful do-it-yourself floor. I'm Mike
0: Yenser at WiseWay Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Econom Walk. See how our product pricing might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise habit. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com.
5: So Bruce Arians had this to say on Monday. He was talking about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and obviously the MVP award. Uh, Bruce Arians, I'll just play you his comments as he talks about essentially how in his mind it's it's clear and obvious who should be MVP.
8: I think if, if he doesn't get it, it's a travesty. Tom Brady. I mean, most completions ever. Five thousand yards, touchdowns, the whole, the whole nine yards. I mean, I mean to me, it's not even a, it's not even a close race. To Bruce
5: Arians it's not even a close race of who should be MVP. Obviously, the coach of the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, so you'd have his players back. I did see there was some four-letter network
7: debate going back and forth about who should win it. One side was obviously on Brady. The other side was on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because you hear all the arguments.
5: Oh, Tom Brady has 5,316 yards and 43 touchdowns. Rodgers only has 4,150 yards and 37 touchdowns.
7: When you look at it, Tampa Bay throws the ball way more, a.k.a. more attempts. Mm-hmm. He's going to have more completions. In theory, he should have more touchdowns than where LaFleur and the Packers like to be more of a balanced team.
5: Rodgers had four interceptions, the lowest interception rate in the league.
7: And I think Tom Brady
5: had 12. Yep. Packers went 13-4. and earned the top spot in the NFC, didn't even have to play the last game. Rowdy, where do the Buccaneers reside again, what, which, which conference? That
7: would be the NFC South.
5: And the Packers on the NFC North, so they're both in the NFC. Who's the best team in the NFC?
7: Green Bay Packers. And then the other huh. thing is one of the uh, four-letter network uh, commentators was like, yeah, but uh, you can't really look at Tom Brady's interceptions because if you look at how many he threw against the Saints – the Saints also ate up Aaron Rodgers in week one. That, that argument made no sense to me. Well, it's the four-letter network. The one guy was trying to argue for Tom Brady because of all the injuries on Tampa Bay.
5: I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. What? Did, has he not looking like, at the Packers offensive line? He's like, line? how
7: about Chris Godwin had been one of his more consistent receivers. He went down. We know Leonard Fournette was injured, and we know they've been banged up on the defensive side of the ball. And I was just sitting there chuckling like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have been 100% healthy. They haven't had a, in, yeah. not even a They've been injury. unscathed. They're unscathed. Oh, wait. No, his all pro left tackle and a top five left tackle in the game hadn't played all year. His starting center didn't play the majority of the season. Uh, His right tackle has been hurt the last third of the season. Uh, They've pretty much been missing four. Oh, Elkin Jenkins, one of the better, uh, you would say, utility offensive linemen in the NFL. He's been out for half the season. He was missing four out of five offensive line. Aaron Jones had a bad knee, missed a game. Uh,
5: Devontae Adams missed missed a game game. for COVID. MVS has missed multiple games. And he's supposed to be the guy that
7: takes the – top off the defense.
5: Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb is is, is out.
7: Yep. Randall Cobb was the second leading receiver when he got hurt. He was out. And then when you look at the defensive side of the ball, probably the best corner, if not top three, Jair Alexander out. Yep. Zadarius Smith has played 18 snaps.
5: Out. Then you, have, <laughs> uh, then you have the special teams as a whole. They're a bunch of jabronis for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah,
7: special teams is one of the few... Worst special teams in the league,
5: so, but yes. But no. yes, Tom Brady has more injuries to his team. And then you look at, uh, let's say both teams were completely healthy, Rowdy, right? Whose skill players would you want more um, if you were Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, or Tom Brady? Well,
7: you definitely would rather have the tight ends and receivers for Tampa Bay. Yep. Hands down. Hands down. Because it would be Devontae Adams versus Mike Evans versus Chris Godwin. And, uh, oh, we, there that's one we forgot. Tunyon went
5: down with Oh yeah, a big knee. Bob Tunyon. He's, he's how, we, around, how we forget. He's riding around on a rascal right yeah, now.
7: Yeah. Rob Gronkowski, obviously, he's one of the best tight ends of all time. Yeah.
5: So it's just obvious to me that Tom Brady should be MVP. In what universe? And man? let's
7: not let's not forget to mention that Tampa Bay has had a pretty solid offensive line since uh Tom Brady got there. And there's no way they could have as many I don't know exactly because I haven't followed Tampa and their offensive line injuries that closely, but there's no way they can be missing four of their starting linemen
5: and despite all of that with the injuries for the packers guess what the packers are the number one team in the nfl and aaron Rodgers'
7: numbers for number of games played like uh Tom Brady clearly played that last game. yeah, He stayed in all the way to the
5: end to try try to get Robert Gronkowski. Tampa Bay was
7: still running up that score with like five minutes left. Aaron Rodgers was done after a half. And he missed a game due to COVID. Let's not forget that. Tom Brady Uh did not miss a game. Aaron Rodgers played in one and a half less games
0: sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: We're going to be visiting with Katie Burgess from the Everag Group. She's kind of summing up what's going on with our dairy complex. Stick around for that. Weather-wise, it's not too bad for today. It's going to be a little bit more cloudy than it was yesterday. Still daytime highs expected to be around 33 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy skies and 22. Also, stick around all the information you're looking for from the Wisconsin Fair Association's annual convention that wrapped up in Wisconsin Dells last night. That's just around the corner. Glad you're along with us. I'm PM Yankee. So today is the 13th day of January. So on this day back in 2000, Bill Gates stepped down as CEO of Microsoft. I didn't think it was that long ago. He actually co-founded Microsoft in 1975 with Paul Allen, a uh, former owner of the Seattle Seahawks. Bill Gates stepped down on this date in 2000. On this day in 1968, Johnny Cash performed live at Folsom State Prison. Considered one of his largest commercial successes, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison Sold an awful lot of copies after he performed on this day back in 1968. Happy birthdays going out this morning to actor Patrick Dempsey. He's 56. The former Elaine from Seinfeld, Julia Louise Dreyfus. She is 61. Liam Hemsworth is 32. Orlando Bloom is 45. And speaking of birthdays, happy anniversary, happy birthday to radio station WHA, founded on this day in 1922. The station actually dates back to 1917, making it the oldest station in the nation. Of course, WHA, headquartered in Madison. And now you know. Well, last night was quite the night in Wisconsin Dells, where 32 candidates were vying to become our 2022 Fairest of the Fairs. In the end, a Washburn County native was selected. Her name, Jackie Rosenbush. She grew up in Sorona and is currently a student at UW-River Falls studying agriculture education. She's involved in the Agriculture Education Society, intramural volleyball, the school's track and field team, and now getting ready to represent our county, district, and state fair all across the state as ambassador for 2022. We were there last night as uh, they selected Jackie Rosenbush as Fairest of the Fairs, and our own Taylor Schaefer got a chance to catch up with Jamie Butke, Executive Secretary and Treasurer of the Wisconsin Fair Association, for a convention wrap-up.
11: Congratulations to Jackie Rosenbush, who has recently crowned the 2022 Wisconsin Fairest of the Fairs. Jackie is from Serona, Wisconsin, and is the first ever Fairest of the Fairs to hail from Washburn County.
12: My name is Jackie Rosenbush, and I hail from Washburn County all the way in the northern part of the state. I'm currently a junior at the University of Wisconsin-River Falls, majoring in agricultural education in the hopes to one day become a high school I teacher in northern Wisconsin. My love for county fairs started at a very young age, but my passion is in the agriculture and production agricultural industries today.
11: And Jackie, what are you looking forward to most through your role as the Wisconsin Fairist of the fairs?
12: I think that the best thing that fairests get to do is travel every single one of the counties and experience every single one of the county fairs. This is an incredible opportunity and I do not take it for granted. I underta- I understand the elegance and grace and honor and integrity associated with this position um, and I will do my best to represent Wisconsin and all of Wisconsin's fairest of the fairs at each and every one of those county fairs. Jackie, what do Wisconsin fairs mean to you? I truly believe that the heart of our community lies at our county fair it's when everybody no matter the demographic comes together and unites for at least one week over fair fun Um, Great food, great entertainment, incredible exhibitors all over the place, Um, and it's truly just been a home for me. It's been a place that I've been able to express and share my passion for women in agriculture and the agricultural industry, as well as my passion for agricultural education. I would love to just say thank you. Thank you to everybody that's helped me get to where I am today for this opportunity, for all the fairests I ran against. They are incredible women and will do incredible things in their future. Thank you to my parents and my family. Um, thank you to everybody here at the Wisconsin Associations of Fairs. You've been so,
11: so incredibly welcoming, and I am ecstatic for the upcoming year. Rosenbush was an avid member of her local 4-H club and FFA program and even served as a Wisconsin State FFA officer in 2020. She says that she was fortunate to have explored agriculture from a young age because she was raised in a rural area, but understands the importance of helping others to explore their interests too at the county fair. As the Washburn County Fairest of the Fair, she created the Kids in Crowns program, inviting young fairgoers to make their own tiaras while visiting the fairgrounds. Rosenbush will begin her reign as the 2022 Wisconsin Ferris of the Fairs, where she will spend the fair season traveling to Wisconsin's 75 county, district, and state fairs and be the official host of the Wisconsin State Fair August 4th through the 14th. She follows Kaylee Vandenberg, the 2020 and 2021 Wisconsin Ferris of the Fairs, who talked with Stephanie Hoff about her farewell from the position.
10: What is your farewell message or encouragement to your successor? Yeah, and Rosenbush is the first ever Wisconsin Fairs of the Fairs, healing from Washburn County. And my advice to her is to just, you know, as I said before, be yourself. She has the personality, the ability to speak in front of crowds, as we saw at the crowning event. And, uh, you know, soak in every moment. It, you only get to visit these Fairs once as the Wisconsin Fairs, so just taking every moment in as much as you can. I want to say thank you to our friends at Midwest Farm Report and Pam Yankee for covering much of my journey as the Wisconsin Fairest of the Fairs in 2020 and 2021. I ran into her at many events, county fairs, district fairs, and of course the Wisconsin State Fair. So thank you to Pam and her team at the Midwest Farm Report.
11: That was the now former Ferris of the Fairs, Kaylee Vandenberg, giving her successor a farewell message. Congratulations again to the newly crowned 2022 Wisconsin Fairest of the Fairs, Jackie Rosenbush, the first ever to hail from Washburn County. You can read more about Jackie at MidwestFarmReport.com. From the Wisconsin Association of Fairs annual convention in the Dells, I'm Taylor Schaefer. Get
9: insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance Keeping Wisconsin strong
1: So, the World Bank's supply demand report issued yesterday from USDA kind of considered neutral to the marketplace. The average yield for our U.S. corn in 2021 came in at about 177 bushel to the acre on average. Soybeans were pegged at 51.4 bushel to the acre on average. So no big surprises there. They did lower their expectations on corn and soybean production coming out of Brazil and Argentina because of dry weather. Ben Cash is a commodity broker with Bauer trading out of Indiana, and he said aside from watching weather that will continue to influence South America's corn and soybean production, you need to watch the money. With more and more conversation entering the marketplace about inflation, there's a lot of that money that could move pretty quickly.
4: I definitely think so. you got to look at, too, at where the fund position is. This is a new year. They've been long row crops for quite a while now, you know, well over a year. They've been long corn, long soybeans. They actually just got that short wheat about a week ago. But overall, in the commodity markets, due to the inflationary type trade, it's kind of getting to be a little bit of an old news situation. I um, mean, then also our stocks are getting back to a comfortable level. So are they going to unwind some of that long position, reallocate money to different markets, to different sectors that may be oversold or get out of the overbought markets that seen great gains last year? So I think some of that money movement is something to watch besides the weather here in the U.S. and particularly South America, but the Southern Hemisphere in general, you know, is still in the midst of their growing season.
1: Ben Cash, trader with Bauer Trading, out of Indiana. Now, in overnight electronic trade this morning, our corn and soybeans are still feeling some downward pressure. Right now, we've got March corn down two at five ninety seven. March soybeans are down nine at thirteen ninety a bushel. The wheat for March is down seven at seven fifty and three quarters. July new crop wheat down almost eight cents at seven forty seven and a half. Barrel cheese gained seven and a half cents yesterday to a dollar ninety and a half. Forty pound block cheese was up a half at two oh five and a quarter. While double a butter that actually stepped back a bit down a penny and a quarter at two eighty three a pound. The fluid milk contracts for February currently 13 cents lower, twenty two fifty a hundred weight. March milk up twelve in overnight electronic trade at twenty two fifty a hundred weight. Kind of keeping our focus on dairy for just a moment, the World Cheese Championship is headed back to Wisconsin and the Monona Terrace Convention Center. It's going to be March 1st through the 3rd, and they're expecting another record-breaking year when it comes to entries with an expanded category of cheese entries possible, including cheese curds. However, due to COVID protocol in Dane County, The World Champion Cheese Contest will be closed to the public March 1st through the 3rd. But fans of the cheese event are still welcome to follow along on social media for interviews with judges and competitors, a behind-the-scenes look with industry leaders, and more. You can find out about the details of the upcoming World Champion Cheese Contest just go to worldchampioncheese.org. All Things Dairy, coming up in just a moment with our friends from EverEgg. A new voice joining us today, her name, Katie Burgess. Stand by for that.
0: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Are you dealing with a moody
8: meow? Or a whiny woofer? Or a negative nayer in your family? Well, fear not. McFarland's in Sauk City has just the right pet toys and pet foods to put spring in any step and a whoopee in any woofer and a me-wow in any cat. Stop by and bring your fur baby with you. We're pet-friendly in every way. At McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12, 780 Carolina Street in Sauk City.
2: Imagine a brand-new, maintenance-free look for your home's exterior. Have Prairie Exteriors show you options like architecturally designed siding, which can give you the look of cedar without the worry of woodpeckers or painting.
8: Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie
0: Exteriors, now that's impressive.
8: PrairieExteriors.com
1: Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison invites you to follow the yellow path all the way to some serious cash prizes in our Wizard of Draws promotion where we're giving away up to $63,000 in cash prizes. It all happens Sunday afternoon, January 30th. Three winners will be chosen every half hour from noon until 3 p.m. Each winner will start with $500 and then select bricks along the yellow path. Every brick reveals either a cash prize to add to their total or a witch that will end their game. This January, there's no place like Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison.
2: Love the look by creating your floors with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors.
0: I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Econom Walk.
2: See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you.
0: Commercial or residential, the wise Habit. it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves, nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report
1: with Pam Youngke. Not as warm as it was yesterday, but we'll still see temperatures that move into the 30s. Be careful out there this morning if you're walking the dog or driving. Some of those surfaces that had uh, melting snow yesterday might be a little slick this morning. Well, where are the markets headed today? It's all things dairy. Joined now by Katie Burgess, new voice with us here from the Ever Ag Group. And she is... uh, Got her eye trained on everything from our barrel and block cheese price, double A butter has been a talk worthy point, and class three fluid milk contracts. First of all, Katie, thank you and welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us. Let's talk a little bit about that class three milk price. Boy, just about the time that we see a major correction where you think the bottom is falling out, suddenly we get another rally up over 22 bucks this morning for the nearby contracts. I mean, it does beg the question how far can we go?
10: Pam, you have it right. We have seen a lot of ups and downs um, here over the past few months, but since the beginning of the year, it's mostly been days that we're moving higher in the Class 3 milk market. The market is off to a strong start. I don't know that we can go a lot higher from these levels, but to your point, as we see the Class 4 market move higher, that does seem to be pulling the Class 3 market along. So it does seem like we could be near a top here around $22, um, but... It's the dairy market, so hard to say for sure.
1: You know, the other thing that we have to be mindful of is USDA, again, just kicking out numbers. It's not just the United States that's seen milk production taper off and, and go lower. That's a global trend that can't be ignored, right, Katie?
10: That is definitely true that, you know, milk production is a little bit softer here in the U.S., but the situation is even tighter in New Zealand, in Europe, and so when we see the global importers out there looking for cheese, they're coming to the U.S. because our cheese, even though our cheese prices are high, they're still less expensive than other places in the world. And so for 2021, we don't have all the data yet, but it looks like 2021 is going to be a record year for cheese exports. Despite the fact that we've had all these logistics issues, we've still managed to move a lot of products outside of the country. And I think 2022 is going to be strong for exports as well. And so that's a good sign for Class Three prices.
1: A lot of consumers, Katie, are going to be paying attention to our product prices, too. For the past couple of weeks now, everybody's been watching that butter market really quickly approaching three bucks a pound. And then there's the social media buzz about dairy product shortages for things like infant formula. I mean, it all kind of plays into our dairy base.
10: It, it does. And I think that at, at the end of the day, we still have, we're still making milk. Those products are still going to be able to move to consumers. There are, of course, some supply chain disruptions along the way, like we see across all industries. But I think it's a good sign that people still love to eat dairy. We saw strong sales over the Christmas season. And that's definitely one of the factors that's influencing our higher prices today.
1: So advice for producers that are out there, you know, you mentioned maybe 22 is about where we're going to peak. Uh, there are tools out there to try to help make sure they're capitalizing on that today.
10: There definitely are. When we look at the annual average for Class 3 milk right now for 2022, it's the highest we've seen since 2014. So we've been encouraging folks to look at locking in some of those high prices for dairy producers. So a few tools. Dairy Revenue Protection Insurance, that helps you set a floor. So you're protected in case prices fall. But then if, if we're not at the top yet, you still get higher prices. Or we've also seen lots of producers using uh, hedging through their own brokerage account or their co-op's risk management program. So lots of choices out there. Um, as on top of that, also, the Dairy Margin Coverage Program sign-up is at your local FSA office through the middle of February. So I definitely encourage producers to go out there and ensure some profitability given prices do look good right now. But anyone who's watched dairy prices for a while knows that, you know, things can turn around pretty quickly. So it makes sense to, to protect the, the good prices while
2: they're around.
1: If you're just joining us, this is Katie Burgess. She's a brand new voice with us from the EverAg folks. Katie, you know, the other thing that we have to be mindful of, although these prices look very attractive, by gosh, by golly, no matter what facet of agriculture you're in, Input costs, including feed, continue to go up, too.
10: That is definitely true. Talking to dairy producers out there, you know, production costs are up two, three, four dollars per hundredweight this year. Feed, labor, all sorts of supplies. So the fact that these prices are good, um, you know, $22 milk isn't necessarily what it used to be. So even more important that people look at making sure these good prices stick around through some sort of risk management program.
1: And I guess for all the non-farm consumers that are saying, well, wait a minute, does that mean fluid milk in the grocery store is going up? We already know that butter is probably going to go up. That is part of the whole inflationary mode we're in, apparently.
10: That probably seems like it could be the case. And I know that as, you know, Across the supply chain, not only are the base commodity prices going up, but packaging materials, labor at dairy processing plants as well. So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see slightly higher prices at the dairy, on the grocery store shelves this year. But I don't think it's going to be as drastic as we see in some other commodities.
1: Yeah, that's right. Food is going to be a story for sure in 2022. Katie, thank you so much for joining us, kiddo. Have a great Thursday, and I'll look forward to our conversation again soon. Thanks so much. Katie Burgess along with us. Again, like we said, a new voice with us from the EverAg groups. And don't forget, you can check out their website, ever.ag. And like Katie said... Uh, Try to be proactive. We don't know how long this uh, $22 benchmark for our fluid milk is going to last. Uh, Protect yourself and consumers. Again, now you know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes. Global shrink in overall milk production. Those product prices, that infant formula, probably still going to climb higher. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning. For the latest, go to MidwestFarmReport.com.